This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to welcome you. It is a feel-good Friday, and we are rocking today like we always do. And also, we want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And remember, 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 we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And, if, and I ask one more thing. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. Yeah. And if you don't, I might question your psychiatric stability. That's just, that's just how to get down. Cause we, <laughs> my bad. Sorry, T. You know, I be getting taking this stuff personal. So yeah, but uh, <laughs> Jarvis, needs Jarvis needs an internet hug from you people. Okay. Yes. Each and every day by hitting that subscribe button. That's 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 my that's internet hook. So yeah, we appreciate you for doing that. Right. Um so but yeah, we have a lot of stuff on board for today. Mm-hmm. We're gonna preview the Braves Marlin series. Yeah. Are we starting to get some some same feels uh as uh, that other team in Atlanta, the Hawks? Oh yeah, well, let's wait around to like they did it last year. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that and see if those comparisons actually come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Also Dion responded, and you know it, it, it brings a lot of questions not to Dion Sanders about what he's how he responded, but mm-hmm. to Nick Saban. Yeah, so if you start questioning him and and what he's done and how how he's viewed in the college football landscape, and last but not least, in for the culture, mm-hmm. Greg Olson getting the opportunity to broadcast the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, that's too soon, maybe. We'll see. We'll talk about all that. But first, we got to talk about the Atlanta Braves. They obviously, they, we know that they lost in walk-off fashion on Wednesday. And it was just a, a horrible look for those guys. And, you know, and the Braves haven't only won two series in the entire season. Mm-hmm. And they're they're at the top of the league and strikeouts as a team yeah. and everybody just seems like they're struggling. Mm-hmm. T, you know, I know that last year, you know, they didn't get to 500 until July of last year, right? Right. And they went on to win the World Series and and I think a lot of people are expecting mm-hmm. that for them to do that again, but is that asking a little bit too much to be expecting to them to turn it around? In the summertime, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. go on to win another World Series. Are we right. are we asking a little bit too much of this team? Yeah, I believe if they're not careful, Jarvis, we are asking a bit much. Use the Hawks as a cautionary tale of mm-hmm. thinking that you're going to be able to turn the light switch on, whether that's the fan base of Braves country or whether that's the Braves themselves. Now, the good thing is Alex Anthopoulos will pull a trigger a little bit faster than say Travis Link. Indeed. Did pull a trigger. Now they will see him pull triggers faster this season. Never had that. We're talking issue, about yeah. exactly, but we're talking about your natural inclination. Double A's natural inclination is to pull a trigger faster than maybe Travis's is, right? So mm-hmm. I think in that regard, you have a little bit of cushion, maybe to not be as concerned. But I'll be honest with you, Jarvis. Two days ago, five days ago, seven days ago, as you and I have continued to have this conversation, the concern meter 
it has slowly but surely it's, it's starting to go up. It, it's, yeah. it's up because I'm really looking at them going, okay, are you going to be yourselves Braves as far as what you did last year, back half of the season to turn it on and go on a run and win the World Series? Or are you going to be like the Hawks, thinking that you can turn it on, assuming that you're going to turn it on, and maybe you even get to the postseason, right? Maybe you right. even get to that one-and-done game as well, or maybe you know, wild-card game, or who knows, maybe you miraculously vault to the top of the division, but you also, because you have to fight so hard to get back into it, does that then send you to an early exit? So I'm looking at each player, comparing them to the Hawks, and how every player, with the exception of Trey Young, actually regressed a bit. And maybe the, um, let me put on Yoko Okongu in that conversation as well, but save two people on that entire roster and Clint Capella, the rest of the roster kind of regressed. Whereas right. you're looking at the Braves, same situation for the players who are returning from last year's roster, pretty much regression almost across the board, if you will, except I'll say it, except maybe a max free, right. save one game, if you will. If that, if those formulas are the same, then we should have a concern and the Braves should have a concern too, that, hey, you better get it together and get it together quickly and not keep assuming every game, every series that, wow, we're going to turn on this light bulb and we're going to get it together. No, to, Turning it on starts now, this weekend, against the Marlins. You know what? They absolutely have to. And, and just to add add to what you were saying, mm -hmm. because I really like the Hawks, Hawks braid comparison, right? Because when you think about what Kevin Herter said at, at the end of the season, he said, it felt like we were just constantly digging ourselves out of the hole that we yeah. just never, never got to. Yeah. And like I said, they made the playoffs, but mm -hmm. to – that's a mental piece, right? That starts to mess with you mentally. And you start questioning yourself as an athlete. We even saw it with the guy who's going to be on the mound tonight in Charlie Morton. You yeah. know, 641st pitch. He questioned himself a lot mm -hmm. to start the season mm -hmm. off because, you know, granted, right. he should have he should have been because he yeah, was just yeah, yeah. so bad early mm -hmm. on in the season. And thankfully, he's started to turn around in his last outing. Mm -hmm. He had no decision, obviously. But he right. only gave up one run on two hits, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's that's promising, right? But yeah. I think that when you have a professional, when you things don't go your way consistently, mm -hmm. that's when you start to question yourself. And I think that yeah. a lot of times you're starting to get to the point where it is it may be a mental piece, especially okay. when you're talking about when everybody is struggling at the plate and striking out all mm -hmm. the doggone time. Yeah. Yeah. So, it really makes me think about this, and I know you can appreciate this as well as a former athlete. And I know sometimes people don't think dancers are former are athletes, but let me tell they you, my knee would say, yeah, my knee would say yeah. otherwise. But right. um, <laughs> you know, there there are moments in time where literally somebody has to step up because it does become a mental thing, and that takes taking nothing away from some of the injuries that the uh, Braves have had to deal with, including Ronald Acuna Jr. But what I was thinking about, and you and I talked about as well, is who is that person? who can be the off the field generator, the off the field spark, the, the one who course corrects, not Brian Snicker, right? Not the mm -hmm. manager, but the player who in that locker room is going to be the one or in that dugout that course corrects mentally for the Braves. And you see, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm making a one-to-one -one comparison, Jarvis, because I'm, I'm not uh, going in on Matt Olson at all. But what I am saying is, this is where you miss Freddie Freeman. This yeah. is where Freddie would have probably gotten everybody together, maybe individually first and maybe at some point collectively and helped to right the ship. Yeah. 
And that's where my question becomes, who is that guy? Same question you and I have asked, and, and many asked about the Hawks mm -hmm. last season. Who yep. was that guy who was going to be the vocal leader? Clay Capella did become that person because that's his natural inclination, right? And right. you started to see some things change as Capella started to speak up a little bit. Who is that person now, Jarvis, in the absence of Freddie? Yes, Ronald Acuna Jr. is that person on the field because right. his word speaks for him. But who's that guy in the locker room or who's that guy walking up and down that dugout just doing that player coaching that can help to right this ship mentally? Because at this point, Jarvis, I'm more concerned about the mental aspect of this slump than I am the physical. Yeah, and, and you got to, you, like I said, you got to go that way. You know, you got to mm -hmm. think that way because uh, some of this stuff is just – just it's just so it's really hard to explain you know and yeah. they are have their quite like i said they're questioning themselves they are trying mm -hmm. to figure things out and when you go down that rabbit hole like you never know where you're going to end up <laughs> like right. you like you might like kevin heard say you might end up in a hole that you can't get yourself out of yeah. but hopefully that's not the case like i said first pitch first pitch tonight is at 6 40. Mm -hmm. uh, Charlie Morton's going to be on the mound. Hopefully he continues yes. the recent success yeah. and uh, the Braves get a win tonight. Now, another big game going on tonight. The Washington mm -hmm. Mystics taking on the Atlanta Dream at yeah. the crib down in College Park. It's going down. T, give the folks what they need. Yes. What should we expect tonight for the, for the Atlanta Ooh. Dream? It's going to be fire. Lit on the South Side. And right. let me tell you, it, I mean, so many crazy storylines, right? So you're looking at the number two and number three teams in the Eastern Conference, respectively. Same records, four and one, but the Mystics just mm -hmm. slide ahead by percentage points in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, you got this young upstart dream team that's just doing things that's just surprising everybody in the league right now. Thanks to Ryan Howard. Of course, we know she's the number one overall pick that the dream moved up to get the number three pick. Shakira Austin is another force to be reckoned with. So that's going to be an interesting little battle, although they're not at the same position, but just an interesting battle of top picks to just see how that's going to play out. And I'm interested to see how the Dream is going to play this because, you know, the Dream has been playing small ball very effectively, putting guards and forwards out there, not necessarily having that person at the five, but if they go with the five on a more consistent basis, then who Kia Vaughn has her work cut out for her with Austin. Right. No, mm -hmm. Elena Deladon tonight. She is actually going to be out on rest, if you will. And, you know, deservedly so for the veteran. No tip Hayes still waiting for her uh, in terms of her transition from her overseas assignment. So uh, won't, she won't be there tonight. And unfortunately, man, Jarvis, I can't believe you and I are still having this conversation across sports. But Monique Billings out due to health and safety protocols. So uh, she mm. is questionable unless she gets a pass like Al Horford it's got. still here. Still, Jarvis. It's not going anywhere. It's <laughs> COVID is still here. Yeah, there was Al Horford on in the report that you know we get from the NBA every hour on the hour on game day. And right up until the 11th hour, Al Horford was on that darn list. Yeah. And uh, thankfully for the Celtics, he was able to get off. So we still have Monique listed in questionable uh, status because of that. But again, cannot wait to see this. And Elizabeth Williams is coming back, one of the more beloved members of the, the Dream. She'll be back. This is her first game back as a competitor. So, yes, I'll be on the south side excited about whoo, what I know is going to be some kind of game. It's going to be some kind of game, and we're going to be some kind of show just for you. Monday through Friday, you already know what time it is. But guess what? Coming up next, it will be the Deep Dive with JD and T, and we are talking about Nick Saban.
in the comments that he made, did he turn off recruits? Ooh, we'll discuss that next on Locked On Sports Atlanta. It's ATL Day Wizzles. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I'm Tanitra, that's Jarvis, and we appreciate you guys for rocking with us on a Friday. Hope that you are able to get out and enjoy the beautiful day. But before you do, of course, we always appreciate you stopping by and joining us. So whether you check us out on YouTube and subscribe and like and follow us, or whether you check us out on any platform where you check out your audio podcast as well as give us a five-star review we want you to know for all of it we are certainly grateful and you know what else for your two petty co-hosts for atl day ones we're always grateful when nick <laughs> yes. saban gives us something to work with i mean literally it's like dropping gifts on us gift that keep and the way yeah, it gets better it's the gift that keeps on giving because he won't stop talking so the start of the college football season is upon us. Can you believe it? A hundred days away. So I can't wait until you and I get to dive into that and start talking about some of the great, great games that we'll be covering this fall. But yeah, a hundred days away from college football season, the start of that, two weeks away from the SEC meetings. But Nick Saban couldn't wait for either one of those things to weigh in on name, image, and likeness. So he's in Birmingham on Wednesday to promote the summer games, but also with some of the top echelon uh, businessmen in Birmingham. So the conversation, somehow, hmm. you know where I'm going with that. So the conversation somehow <laughs> image and likeness because folks who make that money want to try to regulate the money that goes to players who actually play on the field. But anyway, so that conversation happens. They want to get Nick's thoughts. And of course, Coach Saban is more than happy to go in. But it wasn't so much just the general things that he said, right? When he's talking about uh, NIL in general, it's the mm -hmm. specifics when you start coming for folks like coming for Jimbo Fisher and coming for Texas A&M, coming for Deion Sanders, coming for Jackson State and talking out of the side of your neck about those folks. You should not come for them because they didn't send for you. And both of them had words. So. Jimbo Fisher in particular stated that he said, quote, it was despicable. No rules are broken, and I'm quoting him, nothing was done wrong. It's a shame you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids. And I love that he said that, Jarvis, because mm -hmm. sometimes people like to treat these young men like they're men, but they're young men. They're still kids at the end of the day. And then he mm -hmm. goes on to say, and families in Texas A&M, because we do things right, we're doing a heck of a job, and it's despicable. Some people think they're God, meaning Saban. Go dig into how God got his deal. And then Jackson State, of course, Deion Sanders comes back with basically saying, hey, I'm not interested in a private chat because you told public lies. So that so if we want to have a conversation about this, we're going to have a conversation in a public setting. Now, Saban's sound off may have fired up the Crimson Tide faithful. Sounds like maybe that was one of the reasons he did what he did. But Jarvis, do you think especially with the possibility and some of the renaissance that's going on in HBCU land, could this have possibly turned off recruits away from, say, that PWI program to HBCUs? And I don't want to keep it limited to that, but that's one aspect of recruits that may be turned off. But maybe even recruits overall who are always vacillating year to year on which eight SEC blue chip they're going to they're gonna choose. You know what? I'm going to start with the PWI piece mm -hmm. first, right? So I think that... It's, I think Nick Saban is going to continue to get 
those big boy recruits. I don't think yeah. that hit those comments are going to change that. That's why I was yeah. questioning yesterday on the show. Mm-hmm. Why are you complaining? Like right. why? <laughs> like so you because you're not getting all of them. That's right. why you're complaining. I'm just like, come on, dude. Like you, this is that's a thing called gluttony here. Like I, I think you might need to just chill and, and just shut up and coach, man. Just don't do that. But I, I, I think that you know it will probably turn off some guys mm-hmm. it, instead of maybe getting five five stars he may yeah. get three you know so a couple of those guys might j- jump ship to go to georgia mm-hmm. you know or though a couple of guys might go jump ship and go to usc because right. they like what yeah. lincoln riley got going on out there he's snatching up belitnikoff award winners right. from pittsburgh you know from the acc and i'm just sitting like wow like uh, wow. jordan addison is out here about to get this let's go man go get that bread but yeah i think that you know but i think overall though i don't think it's gonna hurt him too much Mm -hmm. um but i I think that but as far as the the hbcu piece goes i Mm -hmm. I think that i don't think there's going to be a mass exodus of uh five-star recruits going down hbcus i'm not saying that but here here, here's my thing Mm -hmm. and here's what i absolutely love the fact that he mentioned the HBCU, the fact mm-hmm. that he brought those things to light and mm-hmm. pointed those things out and not necessarily they'll be drawn because he said, you know, or what a million dollars or however, or they're getting the bag or what all that stuff. Right. It's just the fact that some, he has the HBCUs has the attention of a guy like Nick Saban and they may seep into the mind of a five-star crew. Like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I kind of like what Travis Hunter did. Yeah. You know, like he was the first five-star recruit ever to go to FCS school. And that's including PWIs on that yep. level as well. So I, I think that, you know, this is not a seismic shift, right. but it is a thought. And the, if the fact that a thought is coming mm-hmm. before, you know, you say, hey, I want to go to this big boy school right. as a five-star recruit. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's progress. And I, I love progress when it comes to, you know, mm-hmm. these guys at these you know, that are big time recruits and they're actually at least considering going yes. to an HBCU. Agreed. Agreed. And then, yeah, that, and, and like you said, not that we are saying that it just is about the PWI and what bounce it could potentially get to the HBCU or what was stated about this particular HBCU in Jackson State, but also just saying, hey, if that's going to get some attention, we are not mad about the attention that it gets. And listen, there's somebody else and I say else, but there could be others who are not mad about that as well. We already talked about it. Kirby Smart is sitting back looking at this going. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here dedicating $80 million improvements to the football, yeah, to the football program and the football uh facilities. Mm. And that's and that's only a the tip of the iceberg. That's just for starters what we're doing right now. So you also look at that as while you are over here bickering back and forth with Jimbo Fisher and trying to touch Deion Sanders, I'm just going to be over here continuing to recruit at a high level and continuing to be the one who arguably replaces Dabo Sweeney in the Clemson program as Alabama's chief nemesis, right? So he's over there watching this going, I'm still winning. Now, the other thing is, Jarvis, and this is just my quick devil's advocate question to you and that is do you believe that they, that uh, nick saban helped or maybe hurt his cause in terms of the apology because you know this is the kind of society that we live in right wrong or indifferent whether you agree or disagree 
it could be a cancer uh, cancel culture society, right? So he was probably right. concerned about that cancel culture comes back on Thursday, issues a mea culpa and an apology, although he still got basically reprimanded from the SEC, both Fisher and him, but he goes on this apology tour on Sirius XM. And my question to you was, does that help or hurt that he went on this apology tour in terms of kind of retract, retracting or redacting what he said the day before? Um, for me, I'm indifferent, you know, yeah. because when you think about it, he still said, you he know, said what he, said. I, he said what he said, he, he, you know, it was like he, he still feels the same way about it. And, and I think that's the issue. Like, how can you feel mm -hmm. a certain way about something that's actually legal? Like you right. can go out and get get an NIL deal because these guys are allowed to have people who handle that those type of things as long yeah. as the coaches aren't out there doing it and, mm -hmm. and 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 you know passing out duffel bags full of money which he used to do yeah. you know like yeah like that's why I was saying understand why he's trying to come at Dion Dion been in the league he has relationships with everybody he used to work at NFL Network he used to cover the mm -hmm. draft for 14 years you know so he understands he had conversations so he knows saving pass not the bag so I, I think that you know when you have a situation like this one you know it, it just I think saving just kind of just needs to chill out you know yeah. when it comes to these type of situations and you know get to a point where like just embrace it man yeah. just embrace it so you know and I don't want to hear your apology just embrace right. this is the new era and mm -hmm. if you don't like it you can kick rocks and you'll right. go still go off to be one of the better college footballs mm -hmm. ever to coach the game. Yeah, but I think ultimately this is what a certain group of people do. Privileged mm -hmm. folks, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go with privileged. Privileged yeah. people always want to see themselves as the protector that is always good and right with the game. With, and sometimes it's like, yeah, no. You are the problem. My right. time, they're the problem, though, T. Right. You are the <laughs> You whine and complain and complain and whine right. about something until you have to make the shift. Like, remember a couple of years ago when he was the loudest person in the room about the speed of the game and how the game was changing and it was Lord. essentially kind of damaging the, the tradition or the authenticity of college football? Oh, and then you shifted and you started getting the dual threat quarterback. Lane, Kiffin, and the wide recruiting uh, all over the class yeah. track stars okay. and yeah. stuff and things right. oh okay mm -hmm. just yeah. just checking mm -hmm. but okay yeah. but okay you know if you want to purport yourself as the protector of all things that is right with the game and the, the person who highlights everything that's wrong with this nil in the game okay well then you know if that's what you want to say do you Ooh, but Charles, you and i on october 8th are going to be just like the rest of the world watching what's going on at bryant denny stadium yes. in Tuscaloosa yes. with Texas mm -hmm. on Tuscaloosa. Yes. Or what is going to be a super duper showdown? Even all the fireworks. Give me a wrestling match. It is. Come promos. Yeah, because real talk is going to be one this entire season because this this conversation is never going to go away. You have SEC spring meetings in two weeks, and then you have media days coming in the middle of summer. So when they want to speak on it again. We are more than happy to speak on it again. And when we come back for the culture, we're going to speak a little bit on Greg Olson and his next turn. You want to know what it is? Check us out on the other side. It's day one's ATL on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Check us out. Check out our group. And we will see you on the other side. It is ATL day one's with Jarvis and Tanitra. Final segment, man. 
gonna miss y'all when we leave when, when the show is over with. But you know, hey, we're gonna enjoy it while we have it because this is the for the culture segment. It is an intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. But you know, before we get into what we're gonna talk about today, we got Greg Olson. Greg Olson is up up the bat today. Yeah, yeah well, like how I did that baseball reference. <laughs> um, want to say, make sure you go to our YouTube. Mm-hmm. Locked on Sports Atlanta, hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate you guys have gotten us to thirteen hundred followers, hey. subscribers, all of that, all of the above. We appreciate you for that. Go check us out on those pages and make sure you hit that subscribe button. And don't yes. forget to always, always, always leave us a five star review. If you don't, I am going to be concerned about your mental makeup as a person. All right, now <laughs> T. Greg Olson. We know that, you know, he was one of those guys that kind of came on in a, a Tony Romo-ish type way. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of people like how he gets down with the color commentary. So we find out that he will be calling the Super Bowl this year with Kevin Burkhart. Yes. And, and, you know, that's not too big of a deal. You know, some people might say, okay, getting the opportunity a little bit too right. soon. However... There's a caveat to this thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they hired, Fox Sports hired Tom Brady. You know, he had the big old contract. And they said that whenever Tom Brady retires, he's going to immediately be Kevin Burkhart's future partner. So if I'm Greg Olson, I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to call my, my first Super Bowl, but but dang, I'm going to get demoted as soon as Tom decides whenever he's going to finish playing? Like, what's up with that? Exactly. Yes. Greg Olson, you are the side piece. So Tom Brady's <laughs> like, the really like, yeah. like, like so blatantly, right like, here, hey, right side right piece, here. meet my main chick. Exactly. What's going on? Main no woman, way. side chick. How y'all doing? <laughs> so when wifey comes through, go ahead and yeah. take, be prepared to take the seat. Have several oh, seats. And I can say, I and I love Greg Olson in this role because when he first started doing this show on, uh, it's Valley Sports South now, of course, but it used to be Fox Sports South. And there mm-hmm. was a show that came on uh, about six to eight weeks ahead of the NFL draft for about two or three seasons. It was him, Takeo Spikes, and a couple other guys, right? right? And they would bring in different recruits, and or I'm sorry, different NFL draft prospects. And mm-hmm. those individuals would kind of walk through everything from you know, like some fun Q&A to some X's and O type breakdown, if you will. And it was really cool. I got a chance to sit in on it a couple of times and he was the standout by mm-hmm. far. He right. was the standout just in terms of his ability to break it down simply and to make it very understandable and palatable for the average person to hear. That's also actually where I met Sammy Watkins, oddly enough. So mm-hmm. between listening to and, and he was breaking stuff down with Sammy. And that was just cool. I think he is built for it. I do think right. he's built for yeah. it. There are some who, like you said, may say, wow, so soon. But if you've ever heard Greg Olson talk football, it's not too soon at all, especially when you think about some other individuals who have been catapulted from or transitioned from player to media personality. And it's like, yeah, no, that's that's not working for you. I'll go ahead and say it for you, T. Drew Breeze. Yeah, but nah, brother. But you it know might what? not be your calling. Would yeah. you? <laughs> right. Might not be but you yeah, know put what? some work in. Put some work right. in. Right. Yeah. There you, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. just there you said go. it because yeah, a lot in. of people yeah. love Tony, Coach Tony Dungeon's content 
in the beginning mm -hmm. of his stint with NBC, but they didn't necessarily like his delivery because right. you had rah-rah Rodney Harrison juxtaposed oh. to him and it just mm -hmm. it wasn't quite working. But right. right around that second season of seeing him, that third season, energy level started to be a little bit different. He learned mm -hmm. how to play off Rodney, but most importantly, Rodney learned how to play off of him. him? Yes. And the content and the delivery came together. And I think now most people enjoy Coach Dungy as one of the analysts on uh, anchoring the NBC Sunday night in football broadcast. Okay. So I do feel like there are certain individuals, to your point, if Drew Brees decides that he wants to come back, it may just be a matter of him getting comfortable, kind of finding his media personality voice and transitioning out of his quarterback signal caller voice that right. might show us a different person. And even, you know, you look at someone like Tony Romo, who has learned to take all of that information. Sometimes he was giving people too much info. Right. And, and yeah. it, it was just too much to, to, to kind of pallet. And now he's kind of scaling that back and understanding, giving us, keep giving us that Tony Romo personality, but you might want to scale some of that content back because most people listening to you are not signal callers or formal signal call, signal callers. Yeah. They just want to understand the game just a little bit better. Yeah, you don't want to talk over people's heads. And, and, I, and sometimes Tony went a little bit too far with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Going a little bit too deep. I'll mm -hmm. nerd out on it. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, hey, that makes right. all the it sense in the world. Let's go. Keep coming with it. Yeah. But you know, somebody just sitting there just want to enjoy the game and just have want at least have a good understanding of what's going on. Yeah. It might be a little bit too much for them. So, um, but yeah, I think Greg Olson will do fine. I just it just didn't sit right with me. Like, dang, so Tom can retire in the middle of the season and come take my spot. Like, like right. come on, bro. Like, what are we doing? Then Kevin Burkhart, you know, the play-by-play -play guys, you know, they never get moved around. It just right. it's just always, you know, like who's the next guy when it right. comes to those analyst positions, unless there's only a couple of guys that get able to just stick around like that and you know, man, good for Greg Olson to be able to get this opportunity this early on. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? Tom Brady may retire midseason or early and unseat Greg Olson, but nobody is unseating Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste on day ones. And nobody is unseating our boy John Chuckery on Hitting Hard. So check us out first. And when you finish checking us out, why not go and check out John Chuckery? Because Chuck, oh my goodness, if you think we dug into the petty on this college football situation <laughs> with Saban Fisher and Sanders. You got to hear what our boy says. So on behalf of JD and even our boy Chuckery and our boy Mark Zeno, thank you guys for always checking out Locked On Sports Atlanta and especially for loving on ATL Day Ones. And if you love us that much, go tell a friend and then come back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Y'all come back now, you.